Hey guys, and welcome to the Mixtape Podcast, where we review movies from a unique perspective. That is from a screenwriter's perspective. We nitpick everything. We fucking nitpick the shit out of your favorite movies. So if that's what you want, if you want your favorite movie nitpicked, where the next time you watch your favorite movie, you're going to be seeing every single thing that was wrong with it that you never saw before, then stick with us, stick with this podcast. And if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us. If you are on YouTube, you can leave us a comment. You can like our video. That would help us. If you're listening on a podcast platform, you can follow us, you can subscribe and you can do all that stuff. So this week we are reviewing 1992's Sister Act. Now, listen, I am a horror fiend. I love horror, but Sister Act is actually one of my favorite movies. It's it's probably probably my go-to movie if if I want to feel good. And do you like this movie? Do you like it? Oh, yes. I uh, I grew up with this movie. Uh, so so I really really love this movie because I watched it a billion times when I was a kid and Me too. Uh, when I uh, when I revisited it for this conversation, I haven't seen this movie in years. And I was like, I was sitting there going, holy fuck, I forgot how good this was. Yeah. <laughs> and for those of you that are not with us week to week, because sometimes people just want to listen to reviews of their favorite movies and they don't want to listen to other movies. I'm your host. My name is Dane and I'm joined by my co-host, Marcelo. And like Marcelo, I used to watch this movie all the time when I was a kid. I loved it. I rented it on VHS probably almost every week. So Sister Act is directed by Emil um, Ardolino and it was written by Paul Rudnick. But, and I only um, caught this because I was intently watching the movie, even the credits. In the credits, if you watch the movie, the beginning of the movie, it says written by someone named Joseph Howard. Now, I went back onto IMDb and I went, but it says Paul Rudnick. And that little gem will be revealed in my trivia at the end because, Marcelo, this is going to blow your fucking socks off. (laughs) I don't know if you're going to get pissed off. Oh, no, actually, you're definitely going to get pissed off. So we'll leave that to the end. So if you guys want to know why there's two different names um, under the Sister Act thing, uh... (laughs) You'll find out at the end. So the premise of the movie is when a nightclub singer is forced to take refuge from the mob in a convent, she ends up turning the convent choir into a soulful chorus. Now, the opening scene where it's St. Anne's Academy, 1968, we meet a young Dolores. She's 13 years old. She goes to a Catholic school. She's taught by nuns. And the nun is asking her to name the apostles. And what she does is she names the Beatles. She names Elvis. She's just disruptive. She doesn't, she obviously clearly does not want to be there. She she has no interest in anything Catholic or anything like that. The nun gets pissed off with her, looks at her straight in the eye and says, do you know what girls like you become? And the 13-year-old Dolores starts smiling and then we move into the opening scene, which I'll talk about in a second, but I want to get Marcelo's thoughts on just that opening sequence that was like literally three minutes long. I really love that opening sequence because the opening sequence really sets up the main character's disdain for religion and what she really thinks about it. And that is something that is going to come into play as we go through the course of this movie. So I really, really love the setup that the writer did for this film because again, he wasted no time and he and he laid out some of the key character points of our main character and some of her hangups to to 
with what she's going to be dealing with in this movie. And, you know, one of the, one of the great things that you can do for a character is you can give them character traits, right? Mm. But then the great thing for you to do is to take that character who has a problem with something and put them in a situation where they're going to have to deal with their issues with that thing that they have a problem with. Yes. So I thought, so, so from a screenplay writing aspect, the writer of this movie set it up very, very well. Yeah, I agree. So we move from that scene to the next scene. Dolores is now a lounge singer in her twenties in Vegas. She's wearing this like sparkly, I think it's like a purple dress. She's got two backup singers next to her. And uh, I don't know, just watching this scene brought me back to my child. I know, I know like every word to every song in this movie. <laughs> do you? <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes, I do. I was singing along. Oh my God. It's just like, I'm like, I'm actually like, crazy <laughs> i'm crazy but it made me realize how much i love this movie so anyway um nobody seems to be acknowledging her you know she's she's on a stage in vegas but it's not like um it's not like a siegfried and roy stage in vegas it's not like a Cirque du Soleil stage it's a stage where there's like slot machines or in australia we call them poker machines uh people are walking around you know there's there's nobody's paying attention she's just there just to be background music and they do a couple of numbers, and then we move on to Dolores is in a hotel room with a man played by Harvey Cartel, and you know they've they've just finished kind of you know getting it on. He's getting dressed, and you know he's she's asking him like, when are you going to leave your wife? When are you going to leave your wife? And he's like, oh, you know, I'll tell her, I'll tell her. I'll t-. She's pissed. She's like, we get the feeling that they have been through this so many times, and she's he is just never going to leave his wife, and she's just like. It, he just he won't he just won't you know she just tells him to get get out just leave get out like i don't want to see you anymore like she's just fucking pissed so those are the uh first two scenes what did you think of that before i move into the um the crux of the story yeah i mean you know i think i, I think the scene where we meet dolores as an adult and we realize that she is a lounge singer at a casino in Las Vegas really tells us where she is in her life. And I really love this opening scene because uh, Whoopi Goldberg does such a good job with the emotion on her face. You could just tell that she isn't happy with her station in life by the way that she's singing, the way that she's reacting to her background singers. I mean, even if, I mean, look, 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 even, even when she finishes a number, there's like, there's a there's a stage and there's like a poker table in front of the stage and there's like two there's like three people sitting at the table yeah listening to her and her two backup singers do the number and before the number finishes she goes oh oh you guys don't give a shit yeah. she just <laughs> she, she just says it right away into the microphone so I love yeah yeah I, I I absolutely love Whoopi Goldberg's physicality when it comes to her acting because. She says so much with her facial expressions without saying a goddamn word until the very end. Whoopi Goldberg in the 90s, probably late 80s, 90s, early 2000s, was my favorite. She is just, like you said, she tells so much just by her facial expressions. She's a very physical comedian. And you can, like you said, you can tell when she's on stage, she's looking at her, you know, she's looking at her backup singers like, oh, fuck's sake. She's like, you just, she doesn't need to say anything. She's in the middle of the song. You can see she doesn't want to be there. Like you just said, Uh, she's just great. This is, uh, this is actually not my favorite Whoopi Goldberg movie, but it is definitely, definitely kind of in my top five, but she's just, she was phenomenal. 
she's just an amazing comedian. So we move on. Dolores is with her um, backup singers and she's packing her shit up. She's like, I'm leaving. I'm not doing this bullshit. And they're like, oh, is it because of Vince, which is her, the guy in the hotel room? Oh, it's not because of him. It's because you're like, this is not what I want to do with my life. I'm going to move. I'm going to, you know, she's just fucking dumb. She's just like, this is not what she wanted to do with her life. She's done. Two men walk in, clearly mobsters. And they give Dolores a box, which is a gift. Hey, this is a gift from Vince. And they're like, she, Dolores is like, yeah, yeah, okay, get out, get out, get out. Like she just wants nothing to do with them. And uh, she opens the box and it's a purple mink coat, which she really wants to hate, but she doesn't <laughs> because she's one of those chicks that just loves kind of fur coats. And she's like, no, I can't, po- I couldn't possibly like accept this and then she looks on the inside and she sees um the mobsters vince's wife's name embroidered on the inside and she realizes she's he's given her his wife's coat and that's when she's like i'm fucking pissed i'm gonna find vince and i'm gonna give it back to him and tell him it's over and tell him i'm out by the way she has no idea he's a mobster she just thinks he's just this just Italian rich guy. She has no idea. So that that was that scene. I thought that was hilarious, by the way. But um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, listen. The great thing about the the great thing about Dolores as a character, her clothes, the way she talks, the way she dresses, really indicates that she is a specific type of person. She wears purple. She wears leopard. So it makes sense that when Vince gives her a uh, a purple fur mink coat. That she would react that way, but I really, really like the juxtaposition that the writer set up. That this woman is tired of her station in life, and that she is about this close to getting out. But when her uh, her her lover essentially gives her a mink coat, she has that moment of pause. But when she realizes that the pink coat belongs to her lover's wife, she goes upstairs to confront them. When we see the turning point of this whole movie and it, and it really picks up. Yeah. So Dolores is storming up to his office and she's muttering to, she's trying to G herself up. She's muttering. I don't need him. I'm going to tell him I'm going to LA. And then she's like, I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to go to New York. Like she's like, I'm just going to tell him, I'm going to tell him. Like, it's just the dialogue with her muttering to herself is like, she wants to do it, but she's trying to give herself confidence to do it. And just the way that she does it is, just hilarious because Whoopi is hilarious. So she gets to his office. She walks in and Vince and the other two guys from that gave her the gift are there. And she sees them shoot a man in the head. And she's just shocked. She doesn't, she's shocked. She doesn't scream. She's just like got this shocked look on her face. And she just says, everything's fine. Vince is like, you okay? Like he doesn't, it's so funny because he doesn't realize what she's just witnessed because that's so normal to him to kill people. So he thinks it's just normal for everybody. So he's like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. He's like, is there something wrong with the coat? The coat? No, I love the coat. The coat's totally great. Like, and you're just like, oh my God. She's like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go. And yeah, everything's like totally fine. So she, she exits and then she hears them talking. And the two goons are like, I don't know, she she seemed pretty, you know, pretty shocked. And Vince was like, really? She did she really seem like he's just got no like conception of the of the world. And so he's like, All right, we'll go and get her. And they're like, What if she runs? And he goes, Well, you know, take care of it. And so Whoopi hears this, or Dolores, and she's like, Oh my god, she drops the coat, she piss bolts, like 
out of the office, down the stairs, and there's this chase between the goons and her through the Vegas hotel, and she ends up escaping in a taxi in um, in the middle of Vegas. But, yeah, I mean, that's the inciting incident. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, all throughout the inciting incident and all throughout this, uh, all throughout these opening scenes, I found it very, very difficult for to believe that Whoopi Goldberg or Dolores, the character in this movie, did not know what her... Uh, what her lover did for a living because for a person to be that blind to how this person makes his money, I find it kind of unbelievable that she wouldn't be curious. Like, what do you do? Like, like, but what if he like, like, okay. So what if, what if he owned the casino that she was singing in and that's how she thought that like he was rich. Right. Right. Well, well, yeah. Well, well, I mean, we don't, that is a possibility. So she's she's escaped all the way to the police station and she's telling them what she saw. And the police tell her that Vince is a major underworld figure. I don't know if you knew that. She was like shocked. She was like, what? But they don't have enough on him to convict him. And they tell her if she testifies against him, then they can arrest him. They can chuck him in jail. And she's like, oh my, she's like, no, like I'm not doing that. Like the man is going to hunt me down and kill me. Like I am not doing that. Screw that. Uh, he's going to find me. and you know, the policeman says, look, in a few months, we'll get you a court date. No problem. And she's like, a few months. I love this. I love this line. A few months. Why not make it a year? Why not make it 10 years? It's just like like a few months to someone that's getting hunted, honestly, feels like it's going to be 10 years. But um, the policeman says, if you testify against him, if you say you'll do it, he'll put her in the last place Vince will ever find her. And he's got this like smile on his face. So what do you think about that? I mean, Whoopi Gobo's physical acting in that scene is hilarious. Yeah. Um, I really, really, you, look, you just said it. Uh, so much of these opening scenes, you get to, so you get to know so much about the character of Dolores by the way that, uh, Whoopi Goldberg plays it from a physical aspect, the words that she uses, the, 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 the dialogue that she, uh, the, the, the way that she chose to say the dialogue and, the way that she is, the, the way that she has continued to be physical uh, with this interrogation scene in the police station, and like Dean said, you know, when uh, when when Eddie Sullivan, the police detective, came into the room and said, you know, uh, you know, if you agree to testify in three months, I'll get you in front of a judge. And she goes, three months? Why not make it a week? Why not make it ten years? <laughs> I absolutely, I absolutely love that fact because here's the thing. I believe in law enforcement, but it, it really seems to me that law enforcement, for some reason, for people that go into uh, to police protection, they don't understand. Like, like it's almost like they don't really understand what it feels like to be hunted by somebody who wants to kill you. Mm, mm-hmm. It's like it's like it's, it's like they're trying to help, but they don't understand. Yeah. They 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 couldn't understand what it feels like to be under that sense of pressure when somebody is chasing you and somebody wants to kill you. Yeah. So I think so so I think that her reaction from a physical standpoint, from Whoopi Goldberg's acting and from a character standpoint, is just great. Yeah. Now they walk into a church and Dolores flips out. She's like, uh, no, no, you are not putting me here. I'm not going to be here. And the policeman explains, this, he'll never find you here. <laughs> like, you just have to stay put and stay quiet. He's never going to find you in a church. Because 
She's wearing like this this gold sequined coat. She's got a see-through top on with a purple bra. She's got an afro. Like, like she's the furthest thing away from churchy as you could possibly fucking get. And now we meet probably one of the other best characters in the movie, Mother Superior, played by Maggie Smith, um, the woman that never fucking ages. If you listen to our hook thing, Maggie Smith, okay, for the younger people, she's Professor McGonagall in Harry Potter. But for everybody else like us, like she's been in so many movies and she is a pristine actress. She's amazing. I have nothing against Maggie Smith. I adore her. But the bitch never ages. <laughs> she's She never ages and she never gets younger. She's like at one age. I mean, she is. Am I fucking wrong? <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not fucking wrong. Through, you know, you know, through our lifetimes, she's been this one age and I've never, I've never seen this woman. I've never seen <laughs> photos of, uh, of Professor McGonagall because look, I love this actress, but to me, she'll always be two people. She'll always be Granny, uh, Granny Wendy from Hook mm. and Professor McGonagall. So mm. when she popped up, when when she shows up in this in this uh, in this film as uh, Mother Superior, I was like, "Holy shit, it's Professor McGonagall!" Uh, but you know, yeah, you know, you're right. She mm. she she's just, she's just a perfect foil for a character like Dolores because of the way she dresses, the way that she carries herself, mm. the, her makeup, and her feelings on. On, on religion in, uh, within itself that was set up at the beginning of the movie. Yes. So Mother Superior and Dolores, they do not like each other from the first one. This is this is going to be Dolores's, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say villain because she's not a villain. She's just, she just, um, what's the word for it? No, I think, you know, I think this is, I, I think this is Dolores' come to Jesus moment. Um, hmm. and, 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 and this whole incident really made Dolores really think about her life and really and really acknowledge that she had to make a change. Yeah. And that she had to be and that she had to be a better individual mm. because uh in the opening scenes with Dolores in the casino with Vincent and two goons, you really get the sense that Dolores is out for number one. She's very, very self-centered and she's very, very concerned with her own wants, her own needs, and her own dreams. Mm. But when she gets thrust into the situation, she is forced to learn to put other people before herself. Yeah. So that's why I think uh, her her thing with Mother Superior is her come to Jesus moment. Yeah, yeah. So they don't like each other. And, you know, Mother Superior is talking to the bishop, and she's like, no way. Like she takes one good look at Dolores and she's like, no, this is not going to happen. And the bishop says, look, the police will make a sizable donation to the convent because we find out that the convent is kind of in danger of closing due to financial difficulties. And then Mother Superior is like, fuck. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll just put on a happy face. So Mother Superior walks into her office and Dolores is sitting there and Dolores is kind of like hunched over and she kind of doesn't want to look like she's right back into Catholic, like right back to fucking Catholic school. You know, she's in, like I said, a gold jacket. She's got the Afro hair. She, the, the Bishop is just like beforehand reminding her of her vows to help all in need. And so the mother superior sort of sits, sits down at her desk and you can feel the tension between them and they just don't like each other, but agree that Dolores needs to, 
um, keep a low profile while she's there. Uh, they walk out of the office because Mother Superior is like, well, you're going to need to change. And they give her new clothing, which is a habit, which is the nun thing that they wear. It's called a habit. And Dolores freaks the fuck out. <laughs> I'm not wearing this. I look like a penguin. Like, no. And the Mother Superior reminds her that people are trying to kill her. Anyone who's ever met you, I imagine, which is like, oh, that's just such a, such a dig. Like from a mother superior, that's a dig. It's like a knife in the fucking heart. And I was like, oh, Maggie Smith, you tell her. So she says she has to fit in and only she knows who Dolores really is. So every all the other nuns have no idea who Dolores is. Only mother superior does. And her new name is Sister Mary Clarence. So thoughts. Yeah, look, I really love the first interaction between Dolores and Mother Superior because like Dean said, you could just you could just cut the tension with a knife the second that Professor Mc- sorry guys, I'm gonna keep calling her Professor Brigado. Uh the, the the moment that Mother Superior steps into Dolores' office. Because number one, like Dean said, and like I have said, for uh I must say again, Mother Superior doesn't want to have her there and Dolores doesn't want to be there. But just the language that Dolores uses towards Mother Superior really tells you what she thinks of the Catholic Church as a whole, because she just says, why don't you just give me my room, give me the key, and I will commune my black ass in that room. <laughs> and the the way that she says that tells you that she has a she has a lack of respect yeah. for the Catholic Church. But that makes sense mm. because of because of what the what, what the writer of this film put in the beginning of the film. Yeah. So lesson lesson learned, guys. Here, if you want to if you want to tell a story properly, you have to you have to plant seeds on the ground, mm-hmm. and the and and then as the story goes on, you have to grow those seeds into plants. Yeah. And <laughs> the the writer um, who wrote this movie set 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 up Dolores's hate for the Catholic Church <laughs> so well that. During that scene with Mother Superior and when Dolores puts on the the um the nun dress, uh everything worked because we we as an audience know Dolores' disdain for the Catholic Church. Yeah. And it's just it's just so so great. And the way that um Whoopi Goldberg continues to have a physical performance <laughs> with uh Mother Superior when they're walking down the hall and she's telling her what uh, Sister Mary Clarence means, and she goes over the vows. <laughs> and when she gets to chastity, Whoopi Goldberg does a half spin around, and and Professor McGonagall grabs her by her rosary and drags her back in. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome! That's awesome, right there. Yeah. So now Dolores is introduced to the other nuns. We're at the dinner table. They're all getting ready to eat. Uh, Sister Mary Patrick welcomes her. She's played by Kathy and Jimmy. Now, Sister Mary Patrick is very happy. She's very smiley. She's very upbeat, very positive. You know, she's very like you're just drawn to her because she's just happy. And the food is brought out and it's like this soup and Dolores takes one bite and spits it out. She's like, oh, my God, it's horrible. How can you eat this? Like she's she's talking as if she's not supposed to be posing as a nun. She's talking as if she's sitting at a table with her friends going, this is gross. And Mother Superior's Maggie Smith's facial expressions in this movie should be a movie on its own, honestly. Like I just piss myself every time Every time the camera shoots to, to Maggie Smith. I'm, it's just hilarious. So Mother Superior gets the shits. And tells them all 
we're going to be taking a vow of silence for the rest of the day. <laughs> and Dolores is like, but why? But why? Like, she's just, oh my God. Like, you just you just sit there and you're like, oh my God, Dolores. Like, honestly. like, But she just has no freaking idea. And she keeps going on and on. And so Mother Superior stands up pissed off, but he's trying not to look pissed off. And she tells her she has to take a vow of, um, of fasting for the rest of the day to remind her of those all without food. <laughs> and Whoopi Gobo's like, oh, no, 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 you know, I just put some salt on it. It'll be fine. And then another nun tries to take her dish away to the kitchen. She's like, no, no, I just, I want it. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> and the other nun just like takes the food away from her and Whoopi Gobo's like, fuck. <laughs> it's just, again, it's physical comedy. It's it's quite funny. What do you think? Yeah, no, no. That scene, that scene is very, very, very great because it's funny. It's physical comedy. And, and look, as a writer, you want to show your characters going through difficulties as they go through their journey. And, uh, Dolores as a character throughout these first couple of scenes, um, really, really stumbles and falls as she tries to adjust to her new normal. So it makes complete sense that she would react in a way that a nun wouldn't react because she's not a nun. Yes. And she doesn't like the Catholic church. And you have to remember that she just got there. Mm, mm. So it's going to take her a moment to really understand her situation and to come to, and to come to grips with that and then deal with it. So I really, I, I really love that the screenplay writer did that because in a lot of these movies, people are thrown into these situations and they deal with it right away. And that's not the proper way to do that because mm. any normal person who had to deal with something like this, they would need a period of adjustment. Yeah. And that's what we're, that's what we're going to see uh, over the next couple of scenes here or uh, over the next couple of scenes mm. here yeah. is a period of adjustment for uh, Dolores. And we're going to see that change in her when she realizes her situation and she begins to deal with it. Yes. And the next scene is very short but very funny and they're all in the garden it's like a it's like a it's a what do you call it like a a vegetable garden and they're on the garden and there's this really hilarious score music and you can see Dolores is like eyeing a tomato because she's hungry she hasn't anything to eat and the other nuns are looking at her like they know what she wants to do and she's pretending she's like you know like sweeping and doing all this stuff and then the bell rings and all the other nuns leave and she just like takes a tomato off, off, off one of the, one of the um, branches and puts it in a pocket and walks out because she's so hungry. <laughs> I just thought that the way Whoopi Goldberg played that scene and then she just walks off, like she walks off camera, but the way she does it, it's like, I've done nothing wrong. Everything's totally fine. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, again, with the physical comedy, the score and the way that it was shot, told you everything you need to know about this scene. Whoopi Goldberg was hungry. She needed some to eat and she says, done with it it was just like dean said like dean said it was a it was a really small scene but it was a it was a funny scene it was funny it was funny so the next scene is short as well this is where vince finds out that the cops have dolores because he's looking for her is the goons can't find her none of his men can find her uh and then he finds out the cops have dolores and are hiding her so he puts out basically a hit on her for I think it's like $500,000, dead or alive, and he's got everybody scouring, like all of his men are like scouring everywhere for her. So it was a short scene, but it was vital to the story because now the stakes are heightened because Vince knows and he's going to try and find her. So now she really has to keep her head down and just not disrupt things, which she does not. 
Yeah, I you know what I really love that scene because in that scene, Dean uh um um of oh, the bomb guy, I just forgot his name. I had Vince. Vince, right? Yes, uh the uh Vince is with his two goons and his lawyer. Yeah, yeah. And as he's yeah, as he's trying to as he's putting together in his head where Dolores can possibly be, when he gets to the car, he almost says, Okay. So Salver, the detect the detect the detective guy, Eddie Salver, has to have Dolores, right? Mm. So he goes, I want you to put a hit. I, I I want you to put a contract out on Dolores. And as Vince is saying this, his lawyer is going, la 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 la, I can't hear this. <laughs> and it's it's just a it's, a, it's something so small, but it's something so funny. Because obviously the lawyer is defending Vince because of the money. Because he, he's not he's not a his lawyer is obviously not a moral lawyer, because if no. he was, he wouldn't be defending this guy. Yeah. But I just love that little bit of the lawyer going, I can't hear this. Yeah, yeah. And then putting uh, then putting his uh, hands over his ears yeah. to like, uh, like, I don't know nothing. Yeah. So Mother Superior is showing Dolores her room, but she calls it a cell. It's like, this is your cell. And Dolores is like, my what? He's like, your room. And it's fucking tiny. It's tiny. It's like brick. It looks like a cave. And there's a single bed with like a little thing next to it. Oh my god, it's tiny. It it literally looks like a jail cell. And Dolores is like, Well, what am I supposed to do now? Do we pray? Like, what do we do? And Mother Superior is like, It's 9 p.m. We go to sleep. And Dolores is like, What? No, 9 p.m. I mean, she's a lounge singer. She literally stays up to like four or five o'clock in the morning. She's like, No, I'm not gonna sleep at nine o'clock. And then Mother Superior is like, Good night. Just shuts the door. <laughs> um, and then uh the next morning, there's a knock on the door and it's Sister Mary Patrick, smiling, happy, positive. You know, listen, um, if I'm really tired and I haven't gotten enough sleep and someone like Sister Mary Patrick walks into my room all happy, I'm literally going to punch her in the face. <laughs> get the fuck out. You're too happy for me. So she's like, come on, it's it's time to get up. And Dolores is like, what time is it? She's like, it's 5 a.m. And Dolores is like, I just went to bed 20 minutes ago. Go away. <laughs> And Sister Mary Patrick's like, oh, no, no, you have to get out. Come on. It's a beautiful day, blah, blah, blah. But it's so funny because she, she we believe that she went to bed 20 minutes ago. <laughs> it's just it's just funny. Those two scenes are just funny. Yeah, look, um, as someone as someone who is used to burning the midnight oil for various things, I totally, totally get Dolores for being a night owl. And, and it really sucks when you're a night owl and somebody comes in to your room and says hey it's time to get up now you're you're just like just fuck off (laughs) but i will say i will say that look even as a kid i didn't really like sister mary patrick Mm. um because she annoyed the shit out of me yeah because of how how cheery and how bright she was so like you if she ever came to me and woke me up at 5 a.m i would definitely punch her in the face I was like, just, just, just go, just, just go just, away. Just go crack on, <laughs> crack on. Just, just get piss off. Just, just go crack on. <laughs> so, uh, we're in the church. The priest is, uh, sorry, the bishop is giving a sermon, and Dolores is falling asleep because she's like literally had no. She's she has had no sleep. And there's like, you know, there's maybe five, ten people in the church. There's including the nuns sitting up front, and then he introduces the choir. And they start to sing and they're fucking so bad. And you can see Dolores's face is like cringing, like uh, like her, her ears are just like burning. And even Mother Superior's face is like, fuck, 
Like, it's just the Mother Superior does not even want to be there to listen to the choir because they are that fucking bad. But what that scene does do is it introduces us to the choir, which is like literally like what the movie is about. No, um, I really, really love that. I love that scene because it also shows you that the community that the church is in, 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 the, in a really bad part of San Francisco, doesn't go to church. The church is under construction. And like Dean said, there's like 10 people in there. And once the choir starts singing, I was like, oh, I, listen, I love this movie, but that's the one part. That's the one part in the movie that I just turned the volume down because I can't. It gets I, so that, bad. I cannot. I can't with that. Oh, no. So I'm like, uh, just, yeah. But 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 let's, like, like Dean said, this is the part of the movie that really shows you how Dolores is going to be, how Dolores is going to uh, uh, become a, of, of good use yes. uh, with the situation that she's in. And the reason why she can do that is because she's a loud singer. Yes. Guys, she's, guys, do you, do you see the good screenplay writing here? It, it was, works. Yes, she was set up as a lounge singer, as a singer, as someone who knows how to sing and sing in tune. Yes, it works. It all works. Yes. I love it. I love it when this happens. Yes, me too. So we're with Dolores. She's in like arts and crafts class with the other. Well, it's not a class. It's just like a thing that they do, I guess, during the day with the other nuns. And she's having conversations. They're asking her about like where she's – now she has not had – she doesn't have a prepared story, which she should, uh, but she doesn't. So she's just kind of – making shit up as she goes along and she starts telling them she's winging she's winging and she starts telling them somewhat inappropriate stories about her you know when she was in her other church there was a there was a hooker named buckwheat bertha (laughs) just like where are you going with this and then mother superior steps in maggie smith fucking pissed but trying not to look pissed she's like oh can you just come with me just 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 come to just just come and she tells her Oh, you're gonna do chores, and then we get like a montage sequence of of Dolores just cleaning, like doing chores, cleaning the toilets, cleaning the floors, washing the cars, um, just doing anything and everything to to get her away from the other nuns, so she doesn't slip up and and basically corrupt these nuns' minds because that's what the Mother Superior is scared of. <laughs> but it was great; it's great scenes. No, it's you know, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful scene that totally works because. Dolores, when she was thrust into the situation, did not have time to think about, okay, I'm a nun. Of course, people are going to talk to me. What the hell am I going to tell them? Because if if the Mother Superior had worked out a story with Dolores, none of these comedic scenes that are happening, that are, that, yeah. that are going to happen, or that have, have already happened, none of them would have had that amount of punch. So... It really works that Dolores is really thrown in there like a fish out of water, having to make up stuff on the spot because that gives you a, that gives you an opportunity as a writer to do comedic to do comedic bits yeah. that work or beats yeah. that work. Yeah. Um, but you know the, the the one thing that I also was thinking uh, with with uh, Mother Superior mm-hmm. and the fact that she doesn't want Dolores to corrupt these women. So. Where with Dolores, she's in her cell or her room by herself, just lying down, and Sister, Ma- Sister Mary Robert comes in, and she's quiet, she's unassuming, uh, she, you know, she's very meek looking, and she tells Dolores that she's well. First of all, she gives Dolores a clock because she knows Dolores has a hard time waking up in the morning. It's like a little kitty clock that she said her brother used to give her brother gave her because she had trouble getting up. But she tells Dolores that she's always wanted something more 
something more for her. Uh, you know, does that sound selfish? And Dolores says, no, like that, that's not selfish. It's just, it's a really nice chat that they have, I think. And it really shows you her character. Like we've met such Sister Mary Patrick and Sister Mary Robert is complete opposite to that, complete opposite. And those are the two nuns that we kind of get to know more so than the other ones. And I like the way that they're written. I like that they both had scenes together in Dolores's room, albeit short, but you really got a gauge of, I think, who they were, like their personality. So I liked it. Yeah, no, that scene, that scene with, uh, with, with Sister Mary Roberts was really great because that really shows you that this individual went through a hard life and is very, very beacon, is very, very toned down. And it really made me think, what could have happened to this individual that made her make the choice that she made? And then maybe somewhere down the road, she thought to herself, oh, was this the greatest choice that I've ever could have made? And maybe that's why hmm. she was saying to herself, I want more for myself than, 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 than the situation that I put myself in. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. So, so her exploration as a character uh, is so much more than, her not be her not being able to uh, uh, emote herself when she sings. Yes, and I, I think that I think that that is a that is a character trait that the writers sort of introduced there in that one scene, but they didn't pick it back up again. Yeah, no, I agree. So after Sister Mary Robert leaves, Dolores hears some sounds because she's got a window behind her, and the church is across the street from a bar. And so she decides to sneak <laughs> out and Sister Mary Robert and Sister Mary Patrick see her and they follow her across the street to the bar. Dolores walks in and, you know, the, the, it's this, it's the typical rough and tough bar, you know, straight out of the 80s and, she, you know, she everybody's looking. She doesn't care. That's what I like about Dolores. She doesn't care. She knows she's dressed as a nun. She doesn't give a fuck. She just goes up to the bar. She goes, give me a Coke. <laughs> like she doesn't even give a fuck. And... She turns around and she sees that Sister Mary Robert and Sister Mary Patrick have followed her and she freaks the fuck out. She's like, what are you doing here? And then Sister Mary Patrick sees the jukebox and was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I want to play a song. And so she plays a song and then she starts dancing and she's so happy and she pulls like a random person and they start dancing and she's just joyous and happy because, you know, she has probably hasn't heard music since she joined the convent and you can see how happy it's making her. Sister Mary Robert is not so happy. She's very like, oh my God, what is this? Like, she's like a five-year-old walking into a bar. She has no idea what's going on. And so Dolores is like, oh yeah, great, 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 great. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get the fuck out of here. Like she, because she does not want to show the nuns this kind of a life. This is her life. This is not their life. So she gets them out of there. Uh, but as soon as they get back to the convent, you know, they're caught by mother superior and you just know the smackdown is about to fucking happen, but it's a funny scene. Yeah, and you know, that scene really, really serves a purpose because that scene really shows us as an audience how sheltered these women are and how unused they are to the world around them. And it's really illustrated with uh, Sister Mary Roberts as she's watching uh, the, the other sister dancing go crazy. And it really shows you what being in a specific situation like the Catholic Church can do to you because when you make a decision like that, so much stuff is taken away from you because of yeah. the choices that you make. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a funny scene. Dolores is in Mother Superior's office. Mother Superior is fucking pissed. 
She says, the world is unsafe for the nuns. You know this. I know this. Like, what the – like, she's just – I never want to get on the wrong side of Maggie Smith. <laughs> just FYI. <laughs> never. So Dolores says, look, give me something. Give me something to do to keep me out of trouble and I will be out of – she just needs to, something to do. So Mother Superior tells her to join the choir. And Dolores is like, no, they're horrible. I'm not doing that. And the most and, and Maggie Smith is smiling because she knows they're bad. <laughs> she knows they're horrible. <laughs> and she's just got this smirk on her face. She's like, yeah, I know they're horrible. And you're gonna join the choir. <laughs> it's just such a again, she just puts the knife in and twists it. <laughs> Great scene. No, no. You know what she wants to do? She wants to punish her. Oh, 100 percent Because yeah. Because Mother because Mother Superior has no idea that when Dolores steps in there, Dolores is going to take charge oh, yeah. of the choir. Oh yeah. She thinks she thinks that Dolores is gonna join the choir. Oh yeah. Not leave the choir. <laughs> so so in essence, in essence, Mother Superior, you know, you know, twisting a knife into Dolores kind of kind of backfires. When it, when big time. When when you really look at when you really look at it. It's backfired big time, but you know, as a as a nun, she's done two things that nuns shouldn't do. She's judged her and she's punished her, like from her own like opinions. So it's like, right. why are you even? Why are you a nun if you still have these like <laughs> like like vindictive streak in you? But anyway, no, I mean, no, I mean, no, I mean that's a that's a great point because listen, even even before Mother Superior had one sit down conversation with Dolores, mm. she walked into her office, took one look at her, and said no. Yeah, she she didn't even she didn't even, she didn't even, she didn't even give Dolores a chance to talk. Yeah, before she said no, she judged her. and the only reason yeah, and the only reason that she did it is because she said is because she knew that the. Police were going to give the comment money to survive, essentially. Yes, exactly. Now we are rehearsing for the choir. And it's bad. Like, it's really fucking bad. <laughs> like, it's worse than the rehearsal, in, like the, the show in the church. Like, it's just like, this is the one that I turned down because it's like, oh, it's just so cringe to listen to. So Mary's sister Patrick says that Mother Superior told her that Dolores has a background in music. And can you can she help them? And Dolores is like apprehensive. She's like, oh no, I don't want to do it. Like, and they're like, oh please, please help us. We know we need help. Like, they all know they're bad, but they don't know how to get better because they don't have a musician with them. So Dolores kind of gives it a go because she knows keys and she knows tones and she knows melodies, and none of them do. So she gives it a go and organizes their voices um, in um, I don't know in the the. Oh, what is it called? In sections. In sections, thank you. In sections. Um, and tells them to sing a tune and they sing it in unison. And she kind of brings pa- Mary Sister Patrick down a little bit because she's really high. And, you know, it's just, it's a good scene. It's a good scene. And they're, they're so happy. They're like, oh my God, you know, I'm so happy. She gets Sister Mary pa- uh, Robert, who, you know, sings like a mouse to sing really loud. She's actually a really, really great singer. Like she brings, she pulls the best out of them. And it's just a really, it's a funny scene. It's a great scene, and it pushes the movie forward story-wise. No, it's a, it is a it is a really really great scene because it really demonstrates that it really shows off the the skills of the main character being a lounge singer. Because the first thing that she does is she reorganizes the the nuns into sections. Mm. She puts the voices 
in their proper sections. And yeah. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Because she goes, okay, who's who's an alto? Who's a soprano? She goes, you should be sitting over here. Mm. You should be over here. And you should be over here. And I love the fact that after she has them sing a note, she's like, wait a minute. The first thing that she does is she lowers uh, 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 the... Oh, Mary Patrick. Oh, I forgot her name. The Mary Patrick down one after and I'm like, yes. Yeah. Bring that woman down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but um, but the but the but my favorite part of the whole thing is when she takes Sister Mary Roberts and she goes, uh, you, why don't you come to the front? Right. And she goes, So imagine, you know, imagine that you're in a big hall. And the the people who are listening to you want to hear you, but they're struggling to hear you. So you have to emote. I absolutely love that. Mm. I really, really do that. I really, really do, because it really, uh, um, it it really struck with me. It really struck a chord with me because a friend of mine said something to me that was something similar to that, but not that, mm. and it really, really struck a chord with me in uh, for, uh, for uh, that particular moment in the scene. Yeah. So now we have the first performance of the choir in the church with Dolores at the helm. And it starts off all churchy, you know, hymns and stuff and Mother Superior. She got a smile on her face. Oh, my God, this is actually really good. Dolores has done such a good job. Oh my God. <laughs> and then the, the beat picks up. And it's attracting people in church because they can hear it outside. They can hear the beat. And they're like, oh, what's that? So people are coming in the church. The bishop is seeing this. The bishop is saying, like, come in. Come. These are just like street kids. Come in, come in. So people are coming in because it's people like upbeat music. This is why people like gospel music because it's upbeat. You're on your feet. You're dancing. You're, you know what I mean? It's very high vibe uh, church. It's church music, but it's high vibe church music. That's why people love gospel music so much. And so people are coming in. And it just switches to Maggie Smith's face, and she's so very pissed. <laughs> she's so very pissed. For a woman that doesn't even like a beat, it's not even like it's a guitar riff. It's literally they're clapping, <laughs> like, with a piano. And she is. She thinks they've just bastardized church, and her face is just like, oh, Dolores is going to get it. But it's a great performance by the choir. <laughs> Yes, it is, it is absolutely a lovely performance by the choir. But the thing that I love about it is that after the the first uh, uh, section of the of the performance is over, they stop for like thirty seconds, and then Dolores, you know, gives a, a cue to the piano yeah. player, and, and then and then they start. Yeah. But the thing I love about it so much is that Whoopi Goldberg becomes so animated. Yeah, I I love I absolutely adore. How animated she is as a conductor of the choir. It's absolutely yeah. insane yeah. Yeah. and crazy. Yes. Yeah. But the but the one thing, the one thing that I love is how after who knows how many weeks, the way that uh Sister Mary um uh uh Patrick um the, yeah. The, 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 the way that they sound so good, I'm like, how 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 many weeks have they been practicing? Because for us it's like a second. <laughs> But this might, you know, you know, this this must have been a couple of weeks uh, of 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 work to, to clear out because they were bad. No, it doesn't have to be a couple so, of weeks because you see in the last thing with with the rehearsal they could sing in tune. So now that she's got them singing in tune, she just needs them to sing a song. It would a couple of days. It wouldn't. It wouldn't right, take that long. Right. Right. But um, like uh, like Dean said, 
I love the fact that my superior is just so <laughs> is just so enraged by it, and she's so insulted by yeah, you know, Sister Mary Clarence uh, doing this mm. that. In the next scene, she goes, Boogie, we're going to the piano. Vegas, what are you, what were you thinking? <laughs> and I, you know, you know, and she, and, and she goes, I was thinking, you know, you know, you know, nobody comes to church because coming to the church is a drag. <laughs> I, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, I was thinking, I, you know, I was thinking like, more, you know, I was thinking like more Vegas, you know, you know, music, get some butts in the seats. <laughs> yes. And, and and look, and absolutely, I absolutely love that when uh, Sister Superior is about to lay the boom on us on uh, Dolores, the bishop guy comes in and she goes, mm. uh, he goes, he goes, Mother Superior, did you see how people came on off the street? The music called to them. Yes, yes. And you know, and 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 I believe, I believe that, I believe that um, Dolores says that it was mother superior's idea so she <laughs> gave her the credit which was funny yeah but what was also funny is she goes to the bush- bishop she goes you know mother superior would never say this to you but she wants us to go out and meet the people <laughs> mother superior oh is like the blood just drains from her face and the, the bishop is like oh my god that's a great idea <laughs> okay. Dolores is like isn't don't you just love her Mother Superior is, <laughs> is ready to rip Dolores' head off. It is it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's it's just a you know, you know, it's just a it's just a really, really dynamic scene that accomplishes so many things. Yeah. And it does it and it does it so well from a from a from a script perspective and from a directing perspective. Because because while this is all going on, you can see it's like a it's like a split screen where you see the nuns with their with their heads against the door. Yeah, and then it just like it's just like sweeps into the office. Yeah. It's a really, really good shot as well. Yeah. So the next scene is basically a montage of the nuns performing, um, doing the choir thing, meeting the public, cleaning up the outside of the church. Uh, more and more people are attending. There are, you know, there are camera crews there, and they're shooting. And Whoopi Goldberg is like holding a baby, and she's trying to put the baby up because she's like, "Fuck, there's a camera crew." and and, you know, the policeman sees it and, you know, he calls her out. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I, should, I didn't know this would happen. I'm just trying to help him out. So, but the montage is 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 pretty fun. And, um, yeah, so, that, I mean, that was short. What do you think about the montage? I liked it. It was quick, but it just, it, it passed the time a little bit, I think. No, you, no, you're right. It was, it, it was very quick, but it also, it also showed us as, as an audience that Dolores is fully embedded in her new reality and she's learning to, become a better person because like I said before, she had to learn that she had to put other people before herself. Yeah. And by, by, by accepting her situation, by helping out the choir and by getting these nuns out of their isolated situation a little bit, she's becoming a better person. True. Yes. So we move on and the church is packed out now. It's packed out. The bishop is giving his sermon and the choir begins with another fucking epic performance. Afterwards, you know, the bishop tells them and tells Mother Superior that the Pope has heard of them and is coming to see them perform and they're just ecstatic. Like the nuns are just so happy and Mother Superior says, oh, my God, this is great news, but maybe we should go more traditional. And Dolores is like, yeah, but he's coming because we're doing something different. He's not coming for traditional. And Mother Superior's like, yes, but this is the Pope. You cannot, you know, do what we've been doing with the Pope. And so she she asks for a vote. And basically they all vote against her. 
and Mother Superior's like, all right, fine. <laughs> and she's just pissed and then she walks out. But Dolores feels bad because she Dolores has come in and just mixed everything up and f- she thinks she's fucked everything up. And But she hasn't. It's just that, you know, people – People like Mother Superior don't like change, especially older people. They don't like change. They want things as they are. They're afraid of it. Even if it's even if it's good, they like things how they are because change is scary and she's scared of change. So, you know, it's I don't think the writer was intending Mother Superior to have an arc, but she does have an arc, <laughs> which is weird because I don't think the writer was really intending it. But anyway, that was a good scene. What do you think? No, I, you know, I, um, I think that's a great point. I, I, I really, I mean, looking at this movie today, I really don't think that, uh, the writer intended my superior to have an arc. I think he intended my superior to be a foil for Dolores, but yes. a lot of, you know, a, a lot of, um, the most interesting points in this movie and a lot of things that made me think about the way the system works as far as the Catholic church came from a superior and i yeah. don't think that, that i i don't think that that was the initial intention mm. from the director or the writer i think that was just a, a happy accident mm. but you are absolutely right old people don't like change no. because change change open change opens themselves up and opens uh, uh, change opens you up for things to start happening to you yeah. and when things start happening to you nobody likes that because yeah. they're they're because they're afraid of the things that they don't know. Uh, they're afraid of of the things that they don't know the outcome of. True. Yeah. And I, I also I also really like that at this point, Mother Superior is like, uh, I'm not no longer I am no longer needy here. I've already told the bishop that I request a transfer and I'm leaving. Mm. And I love the fact that Dolores, like Dean said, feels somewhat responsible and tries to convince. Yeah, mother superior to stay. Yeah, but she goes. Listen, I have outlived my usefulness. I'm a relic. Yeah, right. Yeah, and the great thing, and the great thing that mother superior says is that listen, you are going to be gone in uh in in a couple weeks. Mm. You have shown these women that you have shown these women a style of life that is not true, and and mm. when you're gone, who and and when you're gone. And when they find out that life isn't the way that you said it was, mm. who is going to be here to pick up the pieces? Yeah. I'm going to be here. Yeah, yeah. And that and, and that is not fair to me. Yeah. So yeah. so that's so so that's another another reason why I'm leaving. So I really love that they that they put that in there yeah. again. I don't know. I, I I don't know if they intended to do that. Yeah. But I I love that they did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. So Dolores gets news that her court date has been moved up and only in a few days she's going to get to leave the convent and she's less than happy. She's just like, oh, yeah, okay. And, uh, yeah, this is where she learns that the Mother Spirit has resigned and that whole scene happens. But she's not happy because the Pope is coming and she's got to get the – She's like, it's like this is her life now. <laughs> I mean it's not. But it's like she's committed to doing something and she kind of wants to wants to see it through kind of no matter what. And uh, I mean, it was a short scene, but what do you think of that? It was short, nothing interesting. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, look, look. It really, it really uh, propels the the final act of this movie to the front. It shows us that Dolores is invested with these women, and it shows that Dolores is in the in the trenches with these women, 
Mm. Sorry. It shows that Dolores is in the trenches with these women now, and she's in there for 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 better or worse. So it's a really, really good scene that propels us to the final act of this movie. All right. So one of the cops finds out where Dolores is being hidden, and he tells Vince because he's a fucking spy. <laughs> he's a mole. He's a spy. And uh, so the policeman helping Dolores finds out and basically throws him in jail because there hasn't really been a story on is there like a mole in the police department because that story wasn't in there, but I guess there were scenes that were cut. I don't know because Eddie's like, oh, there's our mole. And I'm like, oh, were you looking for a mole? (laughs) There was no scene previous to that. No, yeah, no, no, no. That No, that's that's the one thing about the movie where I felt that the that the writer needed a reason for Vince to find out where Dolores mm-hmm. was. And the only way that he could do that is to say, okay, there's a mole in the police department. But like Dean just said, there was no previous setup for that at all. Um it it just it just happened out of nowhere. And it happened because this guy read the department's payment vouchers and the department paid the church for keeping Dolores on the wraps. And that's the only way that Vince was able to find out where Dolores was. But again, the screenplay writer did no work to, to set up that there was a, that to set up that Vince had a mole in the police department to begin with in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So now the policeman um, goes to the church and tells Dolores, Vince knows where she is. And Dolores is reluctant to leave. She's like, the Pope's coming. And Eddie, the policeman is like, do you understand? Like, Vince knows where he's going to come to kill you. She's like, yeah, but, like, the Pope. Like, it's just like, where's your fucking head at? So Dolores goes, oh, I'm just going to the bathroom. And she sneaks out a side door, bumps into Sister Mary Robert, and they both bump into Vince's goons who grab them, throw them into a car. And Sister Mary Robert says, like, she's scared. She's the meek one. She's like, where are we going? And the one of the goons says, oh, Sister's got an appointment at the Moonlight Lounge. And then the car stops at a light. Dolores kicks Mary Roberts out of the car. She bumps into the cop and tells him they are taking her to the Moonlight Lounge. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I really I really like the scene because it really illustrates that Dolores' mindset has completely changed from the beginning of the movie because, spoiler alert, in the beginning of the movie, she wasn't happy. But she her her mindset is completely, is completely, completely reversed now that she – uh, feels responsible for these women. She wants to perform for these women. So again, she's putting herself above her own safety yes. at that point. Yes. So it really, it really shows you that Dolores has grown as a character uh, from the start of the movie to where she is now. Yes, I agree. So back at the convent, Sister Mary Robert is telling the other nuns what happened, and she's taking her to the Moonlight Lounge. And Mother Superior tells them the story: Dolores is not a real nun. She's actually in witness protection. And the sisters, the sisters, basically, they don't care. They like her. They accept her for whoever she is. It doesn't matter that she lied to them. They they want to help, which I think is a testament to them because basically Dolores has been lying to them this whole time and because they like and adore Dolores so much, they don't care. They're like, well, we, we have to help her. She's She may not be a nun, but she's one of us and they've just taken her under, under their wing, which um, I thought that was a really, really sweet scene. So off they go. Yeah, that tells you that shows you a lot about their character and it really tells you about the kind of individuals that they really are. For someone to be lying to you for that long and for you to and for you as an as an individual to still accept them regardless of what they've done to you, that show that tells me that they are people 
of very, very high character. And mm. they absolutely care for uh, uh, Dolores as an, yeah. as an individual, yeah. not just a nun, which she is not. Exactly. So the nuns go, are going, they're at an airfield <clears throat> and they're asking a pilot to fly them to Reno, but they have no money. And so he's like, no, like I can't take you. And so they, they start praying for his soul out loud. <laughs> Forgive him. He doesn't know he's sinned and save his soul and all this. It's just really funny. And then the, they just corner him and the pilot is like, uh, just wait a minute, hold on a second. <laughs> And then, like, it's like next minute they're like flying and flying over fucking Nevada, Reno. But uh, it was short scene, but I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a really short scene. And the thing I love about it is the way that they guilt the pilot into <laughs> giving them a free ride because they use his religious guilt to give them a free ride. Yeah. And I also love, I also love the really short moment when they're flying over Nevada, mm. and the sister, I think it's most appears, it says Reno for some reason. I I don't know I don't know why she said it that way, but she just said it like she's been there before. Oh, like, I didn't even notice that. I'm like, that's interesting. See, there's so many things about Mother Superior that they that they sort of hint at in this movie, and like they don't dig. Oh my god! They don't dig oh my god. it out at all. They should make a movie on Mother Superior because Maggie Smith can still play her because she doesn't age, so she still, that's still it. looks the same. <laughs> Come on, Maggie that's Smith, you it. can do they it. Could, you, you know what? You know what? They could do like a they they could do like a, a origin story, like with a with a younger actress playing. Oh yes, uh, a younger version of Mother Superior, yeah. and they're bringing Mother Superior up to the current day with yeah. Maggie Smith. Yeah, great, done. We've got it. Hollywood, Hollywood do it. <laughs> so Dolores is tied up, still in her nun outfit, and Vince tells his goons to kill her. But they say they can't because she's a nun. And Vince is like, she's like, it's a costume. It's Dolores. Like, it's a fucking costume. And they're like, yeah, man, like, we can't, we can't, you know, we can't, they go, we can't do it. So they go to shoot her and they go, one, two, three. And like, nothing happens. And they're like, oh, you didn't shoot. And the other one's like, yeah, you didn't shoot either. <laughs> so it's like, and Dolores is like, fucking like, oh my fucking God, these guys are idiots. So then Dolores gets on her knees and she starts praying. And they're like, what is she doing? And, the goons are on either side of her and they've got their heads down and they're like, you know, because they just think that she, they're idiots. <laughs> and then she just, when she's done, she punches them in the balls and just runs and now there's another chase scene through the Vegas the Vegas hotel. Meanwhile, the other nuns have landed and head towards the Moonlight Lounge uh, who then bump into Dolores running away from the goons and they split up to confuse the goons, which they do. And... Uh, then we see the cop arriving at the lounge and storming in. So, yeah, again, again, I really love that in these two scenes, the 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 scene with the um, the sisters getting the the uh, the helicopter, and the scenes with the the scene with uh, uh, Vince's goons, that Catholic guilt plays a large part in these two <laughs> yeah. scenes, and I and I love how the writer and the director use it for comedy, because as 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 Loris is about to get shot, like Dean said, like their guilt of them thinking that she's a nun is the only reason why she's still alive. Yes. And I love the fact that she gets on her knees, she prays and she goes, you know, Oh God, give them, give them a break. They, they're only doing what, what Vince told them to do. Yeah. And I love that she cracks them in the, in the, in the nads and she goes running. Yeah. Uh, and she, fi- and she finally runs into the sisters and and the sisters, uh, like Dean said, they disperse to the casino and they confuse everyone. Yeah. And that's when the cop shows up 
And that's when we go to the end of the film, which Dean's going to talk about now. Yes. So uh, Vince catches up with Dolores and the other nuns. And he can't shoot her either. <laughs> He's just as stupid as the other one. He's like, do it. He's like telling his goons, do it. And they're like, oh, and they can't do it either. And they think she's a real nun. They're like, oh. they're like, they're like, but maybe she took her vows. And Vince is like, what? <laughs> she's not a nun. And so he's like, no, fuck this. So he puts a gun in Dolores' face, and as he's about to shoot the cop, uh, shoot Dolores, the cop bursts in and shoots Vince. And Mother Superior actually thanks Dolores for introducing some adventure, basically some adventure in their life, and decides, after all, not to resign. Because sometimes you don't know what you're missing until you actually get it, and you're like, oh, it gives you, it gives you a second wind. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you need a new experience to break the monotony, make and 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 to really truly appreciate what you have, and and to to move forward in the path that you've chosen. So. Um, I really liked that the arc of Mother Superior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially, especially when, especially if you're a person that's been isolated, if somebody comes along and shows you that there's a that there's another section of life that you're not exploring properly, and if that one person can even help you out of your monotony just a little bit, the life that they can show you and the and the and the support that they can give you. And the hope that they can give you can last you a lifetime. Mm. And um, I I related to that quite a bit because I had that happen to me mm. in a in a in a roundabout way. And that's something that I am endlessly thankful to the individual that uh, made that happen to me. So I think I I think I think that that's a great scene and that's a really nice uh, roundabout arc from Mother Superior. Even though that I would have loved to learn a little bit more about her. Mm. That's a nice little arc for her in this film. Yes. So this is the final scene of the movie. They have a they're performing for the Pope at the church. The church is packed, and Mother Superior is actually watching on, smiling, and not not fake. <laughs> it's a real smile. She's happy. She's happy for the change in the music. She understands everybody's happy. It's bringing people into the church, and you know. Then there's a standing ovation, and the church, the church, the Pope um, stands up and claps, and it's just a really cool way to end the music. Music, end the movie on on a high note. That was a really good performance. Yeah, I actually, this is actually my favorite performance in the entire film, and the reason why I love it so much is because there's a part where the um, the choir gets to like uh, the midway part of, part of the, the midway point of the song, mm. and Sister Mary Roberts comes out in front, mm. and she does this section, and uh, this 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 is like my favorite session, the favorite part of the film because Sister Mary Roberts. Like her, the voice on this actress, I mean, God, I don't know. I don't know if they gave this actress voice lessons or if she was a singer, mm. but her voice is like beautiful. So like, great. Man, I'm like, oh my God. Oh, no. uh, but it's just, it's just a wonderful scene. And again, uh, Whoopi Goldberg with the physicality and it's just so fucking great. So great. So great. It's so great. So that's the end of the movie. Shall I move on to my trivia? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so now I I don't know why, I don't know what happened, but when the screenwriter first wrote the movie, um, originally Bette Midler was going to play Dolores, but she dropped out for some reason. I don't know what it is. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I think it would have worked. I, I'd like, I think Bette Midler's great. I think she's funny. Okay. Okay. I, I think Whoopi's better. 
um, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that because, uh, you know, if I think about sister, I think, you know, Whoopi oh, Goldberg yeah. is Dolores. Yeah. So I can't, so I can't, I, I like, like I can't picture that right now, but okay. Yeah. The uh, movie was turned into a stage musical. Um, on on Broadway, which I actually saw in 2011, so I was very oh, cool. psyched to see that. But um, what disappointed me about the musical was none of the songs in the movie were in the musical, <laughs> and I oh, was like, sucks. "Why would you do-? like?" It was the whole story of the movie, but I was like, "Why wouldn't you sing the songs that were in?" The they changed. They changed all the music. Yeah, that kind of because I was because people were people see the musical for the songs from the movie. So yeah, yeah. I was kind of I look, I was disappointed. Did I hate it? No. I thought it was fucking great. But yeah, that was kind of disappointing. But I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, that's um that's really unfortunate that they didn't use the same music. Yeah. So Lauren Holly auditioned for the role of Sister Mary Robert. I could see her doing it. I could see okay. Lauren Holly okay. doing it. Uh, on what you said before, Sister Mary Robert, you know, that had that awesome solo, um, her yep. voice was actually dubbed by a singer. That wasn't her singing. That you know what? You know what? Funny, you know, fu- funny, uh, uh, um, uh, funnily enough, throughout all the singing sections in this movie, I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder, is this whole choir dubbed? Like, I just, no, just I just her. had, just her. yeah. Yeah, but no, but I just had that thought yeah. in my head yeah, as, yeah, I was, yeah. as I was watching these scenes, and I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if either a couple of these or if all of them were dubbed. Yeah. I mean, I, why wouldn't you just hire an actress that could sing? Like, why? Mm-hmm. It, it just seems pointless doing it like that. I always thought it was the actress's voice. Yeah, no, I know. I like, like, um, like, like this is the first that I'm, this is the first that I'm hearing of her voice not being your voice. Yeah. Um, Weird, is, right? Which is weird, but okay. Uh, okay. Uh, this is the last part. Okay. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, I told you that there were two writers accredited to this. There was the one that was on IMDb, and then there was the one when you watched the movie, two completely different writers. This is what happened. You're sitting down, Marcelo. <laughs> yes, I am. Get, get pissed. <laughs> okay. Now, just try to control your pissed emotions. All right. So, the writer of this movie. He wrote this movie in like 1987 and it was released in 1992, so not really that long. Now, he wanted Bette Miller to be in it. She was and then she dropped out for whatever reason she did. When Whoopi Goldberg came onto it because Disney got the script, Disney hired four writers to rewrite the script. Wait for it. Whoopi hired Carrie Fisher to rewrite all of her dialogue, which Carrie Fisher did. The original screenwriter said that the movie that you see is nowhere near what he wrote and he asked Disney to take his name off of the movie because he didn't write it. Disney said no and he said, okay, well, I'm going to make up a name and you're going to use it. So the name that you see credited on the movie, it's just a made-up name because the guy that originally wrote it wanted nothing to do with this movie because everything that you see he didn't write and he didn't want a credit for. 
sometimes you'll notice when I introduce the show, sometimes I'll tell you who the screenplay is written by and sometimes I won't. The reason I do that is if I'm not absolutely sure that that person actually wrote the screenplay, I won't mention them because I don't want to give people credit that is undeserved. I'm going to try and stay as calm as possible, center myself. (gasps) Okay, now, listen, all due respect to the lovely, lovely, lovely Kay Fisher, but as a writer who has been rewritten multiple times in my short career, I fucking hate it. Mm. So I, I really... I really, really understand why the original writer of this movie decided to make up a fake name for himself because he didn't want to be associated with the project. Yeah. We, you know, I know that Rise of the Tree is like trash, but the one thing that I will never understand is that big corporations and big production companies always seem to forget that if it wasn't, that if it isn't for people like us, they would have no fucking product. I know. And it's like, why, why are you fucking, why are these fucking, corporations or these companies kicking their golden horses in the mouth why are they doing that yeah look i would say to any writers out there a a credit is way more important than money i know that oh i gotta eat i get that like i know that's true but if you get a credit then you are going to get more jobs in the long run. People are going to see, wait, you you wrote Sister Act? You're going to get so many more jobs coming in if you get a credit than if you than if you do ghost writing in Hollywood. Like people, people are just dumb. <laughs> They're just dumb. They just want the money. And I'm like, no, no I mean, credit is no, so much better. I mean, um, so that's the end of my trivia. Is there anything else before I wrap it up? Oh, oh no, I think I, I no, I think I just want to uh, uh, punch someone, but I'm good. <laughs> All right, that's it. We're done with Sister Act. Again, if you liked this, please subscribe to us. Please like us. It would help us out a lot. You can drop a comment whether you liked it, whether you didn't like us. You can email us at themixtapepod at AOL.com if you have a request or if you just want to say hi, I guess. You can do that. Next week, we have one of my favorite movies. That movie uh, I did not pick. This was Marcelo's pick. It is Girl Interrupted. Podcast voice. Podcast voice. All right. If anyone – wait, let me try that again. Fucking three, two, one. <laughs> if someone is kind enough to make you a mixtape, that must mean that they really love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.